Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. Downtown Albuquerque has, let's just say, a reputation, and it's one that definitely changes a lot depending on who you ask about it. Some say it is on the rise with a lot of new redevelopment projects. Some say there are problems with homelessness, crime, and, quote, there's nothing to do downtown. Now, regardless of what you think about those opinions, the city and private developers are investing millions of dollars into a lot of different projects down there. That includes housing, retail, hotels, public spaces. But to those who maybe haven't been to downtown Albuquerque in a while, you might ask yourself what exactly is being built or what's changed and who are the power players in these projects. But for the record, let me just say I do frequently enjoy live music shows downtown. There's some great local food joints. And Chris, you've actually lived downtown. I remember back in the day when we worked the late shift at KRQE, we used to find the places that were still open and still served food. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I lived down there for about seven years and then moved up to the North Valley up in late 2020. But obviously, we both still work down here. So it's a place that we go through a lot. And This week, of course, we wanted to take a closer look at all of the things that are happening. And what are some of the ideas that people have for downtown that are maybe making their way out there and joining us on the podcast is someone who keeps up with the details on all of that. Peter Rice, you're the founder, owner, editor, and you do a lot more for this publication. Janitor. (laughs) Janitor for the Downtown Albuquerque News. Uh, It's a subscription newsletter that publishes every weekday with the latest on downtown and the surrounding area, greater downtown, as we were talking about. Peter, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. First off, tell us a little bit about the Downtown Albuquerque News. What is it? Who is it? And why did you start it? Yeah, it's a, it's a su- subscription uh, kind of newspaper newsletter. Comes out by email on weekdays. Uh, save federal holidays. We still take those off because we're old school. Um, I started it because I have a fairly long background in, in local newspapers uh, here and, and elsewhere around the American West. And as we've all seen, that business is not doing very well, uh, mostly because of the collapse of the uh, advertising market. Frankly, I thought they were doing it wrong. And I thought that the the solution to this was just to get a bunch of dedicated people who care deeply about highly relevant information in a particular area to pay you some small amount of money every month. And then we could hire more journalists that way. Uh, So I, I live downtown. I love downtown. And I'm, I'm happy to provide this as kind of a service to downtown. But more than that, I want this to be the model for the, the resurgence of, of hyper-local print journalism. And I think, you know, the Internet's kind of dealt us a, a rough hand in the last 15, 20 years. But I do believe we can, we can come out of this using the tools that the Internet has brought us and the lower overhead of distribution, for example, to come up with a better journalistic publication for, for local areas uh, in, in the coming years. So is it working so far? Do you have readership interest? Yeah, it works great. I mean, it's, you know, we we all know, you know, we're three journalists in a room here. We all know there is an insatiable demand for information, right? What's been infuriating in the last 15, 20 years is how local newspapers can't figure out how to convert a want into money, which no one else in the capitalism world seems to have any problem with. I mean, we all, we all pay for Netflix. We, Sometimes right. pay for the New York Times. 
people pay to have random gift packages delivered to themselves sometimes. <laughs> like yeah, they, they pay to have food delivery. Why not local news? And uh, yeah, I thought it would work and it works. Yeah. Awesome. Obviously you have readership, you know, yeah. people Absolutely. are subscribing. So that's we cool. We are some of those readers. Um, so real quick, let's define the area we're talking about today. The downtown core, which is basically we're referring to first to 14th Street, Lomas to Lead and Coal and some of the areas surrounding that, like the Sawmill, Wells Park, East Downtown, Barelas. Yeah, I tend to I tend to split it up between the downtown core, which I roughly define as the area where all the big buildings are, mm-hmm. uh, and then greater downtown, which is roughly I-25 to the river, I-40 down to the Barelas ball fields or something like that. Okay. And I think all of our projects are in that facility. So I think we're good on that. So we can, good. we can even go a little further than that if you want. Okay. So, so you covered downtown thoroughly. I just wanted to ask a broad impression of the area with the current issues, the current state of affairs that are in mind, the development that's happening now, the development that's ahead. How do you see downtown just broadly? I'd say we can, we can break this up into maybe three packages. Uh, one is the downtown core which I'd say is kind of a holding pattern at this point. Like nobody quite knows what's going on uh, now that conventions uh, are kind of at a low point uh, post pandemic. Remote work has not been kind to the, the restaurants that depend on people driving to the downtown core every day and eating lunch and other retail services, things like that. How can we make sure and maintain our historic uh, culture and our historic buildings and fill them up? but make sure that we're not tearing them down and that we're not gentrifying. So the downtown core is a big question mark at this point. Old Town, uh, the, the other kind of urban locus of that, of that zone, uh, is doing much better. Uh, there's a lot of new investment in that area, a lot, of, not a, new, a lot of new life. It looks like its best days are ahead of it. Um, and then you have the surrounding neighborhoods, which are all, whether it's uh, the Union Castle area by the Country Club or Wells Park or Morellis, they're all, um, they, they share some things in common in that there are these pre-World War II neighborhoods that are full of people who like to walk places and, and actually can and got a bunch of interesting houses and interesting attractions that the rest of the city comes to, like the zoo and and things like that. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a nice place to live. And then you've got old town, which is up and coming. And then you've got downtown, which we're all curious about. So (laughs) that's the, the long and the short of it. We wanted to, of course, run through some big projects that are either sort of on the horizon, starting in the downtown core, One of them we'll start with is called this Space Valley Project. There's long been this empty piece of land at 4th and Marquette across from City Hall. I remember years ago, more recently, I think towards the end of the Barry administration, the beginning of the Keller administration, there was discussion about maybe putting something called the Symphony Tower on there. But that is a project that it sounds like did not make it. Seems to have been ditched. For years, the city has struggled deciding what to use it for. Former Mayor Richard Barry wanted to see the site transformed into the city's next tallest building that would have been called Symphony Tower. When Mayor Tim Keller took office, he wasn't impressed. I don't think 
think it's important to have a tallest building. I think we need to use a metric that matters. And so now the city seems to be putting the Space Valley project on what is a surface level parking lot across from essentially the backside of Civic Plaza now. Can we just ask you broadly, what is your understanding of Space Valley and, and what the city's intent is there? I think this story kind of snuck up on us because it's just the sort of thing they applied for this grant and, you know, governments do this all the time. You know, they apply, they run it up the flagpole and see who salutes. And they applied for this grant, but it's not just any grant. It's like a 80 to $100 million. Yeah. Uh, and there's this big consortium of, of different people that want to put together this Space Valley thing. Uh, and the area, the, the surface parking lot uh, north of Civic Plaza, and of course, surface parking lots are the bane of every urbanist existence. Uh, not really a great use of a downtown core space. Uh, that would be some kind of conference center. It's not super well-defined, but some kind of conference center, some kind of offices, and it would be kind of the, the core of this Space Valley constellation, uh, if you will, that would, that would be across the region. Now, I, I need to do more research on this. The, the big question is, what, what would they do all day? <laughs> right right. Like, yeah. what do you, hi, now that we've built this awesome new building, what, what's the spacing we're going to do here in Space Valley? What's the use? Um, yeah. So, I, and that's, as far as I can tell, not very well defined in the, in the public documentation they have, they have about that. So Interesting. that's on my agenda to, to get to the bottom of. I did check in with the city and asked, when do you expect to hear back on whether or not you win this federal grant? This is the Build Back Better Regional Challenge, which is from the U.S. Economic Development Administration. The city said, we don't know. So <laughs> it seems like months though. I think I've, I've heard like end of summer or something like, yeah. something like that. Not, of course, you know, this is a government deadline. So it's still it, big question marks. It, it could be 2024. <laughs> the three story, 93,000 square foot building would have co-working areas, labs, and a specialized auditorium, all built to accommodate working on highly sensitive information. Building that will create an opportunity for highly secure intelligence and or collaboration to happen with with companies working in this industry. One of these projects that seems like perhaps there could be something new on the horizon on the ground, but it is pretty undefined here at this point. Yeah, I mean, any anytime you get construction and jobs and people downtown, I mean, the the, the kind of existential thing that downtown is, is striving for, this thing that we all refer to as revitalization is at some point you get to a sufficient concentration of people and money and jobs that these these downtown city centers can kind of create their own weather and they become something far greater than the sum of their parts. They become the sort of thing that attracts a lot of investment from other states. Like that's the that's kind of the dream that we all hope downtown can be one day. And we're not there yet. We're not definitely not there yet. And the pandemic really didn't help. Uh, but I, it, it seems like, you know, this, this Space Valley thing could be potentially a, a significant piece of that puzzle if they get the grant. So the next project we want to talk about, I think we have to address the rail yards. There's so much there, but let's start with, you know, for those who haven't been there, you probably have seen it in movies or backdrops to Breaking Bad. And there's, of course, you know, the rail yards market that happens on the weekend where they bring local vendors and people can go and walk around and shop. But tell us what is the rail yards and what's there now? So the railroad came to Albuquerque in 1880. And a couple decades later, it, Albuquerque became a sort of regional 
vortex for maintaining locomotives. And steam locomotives are full of moving parts and horrifically difficult to maintain. And they, you know, you think your lube oil and filter change every three to 5,000 miles is nothing like that. It's crazy how much maintenance they took. So the rail yards was this historic center of a lot of jobs and economic activity really made the Burles and, and South Broadway neighborhoods what they are today. The city bought it from the Santa Fe Railway in 2007, I want to say. And that's after decades of decline, right? For years, uh, the city's been kind of trying haphazardly to figure out what the hell to do with it. Right. Uh, and Mayor Barry's answer was the rail yards market, um, and not, not too much else happened in that administration. Uh, Mayor Keller's come along, and his strategy seems to be a series of small victories. Uh, so they repaved the parking lot. They uh, made that new plaza they've got there. Uh, so it's a much nicer event space. They took one of the small buildings and did kind of a head-to-toe renovation of it. So it's, it's now a place where you can go and... Yeah, that's uh, the flu shop building. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's got bathrooms and, you know, things like that, that uh, indoor heating, things like uh, that we all love. So uh, the question is, you know, where does it go from here? Um, CNM is potentially going to locate a big film production facility. Uh, and that could be the sort of anchor tenant thing that's that's been missing all these years. I mean, the uh, the rail yards market is popular, but it's it's one day a week, um, and it's we're, we're still kind of on the on the cusp of something at this facility, and it's going to take several more million dollars, probably tens of millions of dollars, plus a sort of anchor tenant, and we don't really know what that is to really kind of push it over the edge and make it too big to fail, if you will. A lot of work has been done, at least about $20 million worth, but it is still not quite that, you know, seven day a week activated sort of place. It's not mostly, even close. Yeah. It's mostly just a, a gated off property that still kind of feels like, well, there's something coming, right? Yeah. I mean, Hopefully. And, it, and, and yeah, I mean, if the city were here, they'd push back and say, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff happening. And we rented it out to a big movie True. production and stuff like that. I'm sure like they're that. thinking that as they're listening to this right now. <laughs> yeah. And that's not inaccurate. Um, but I think here's, here's what victory looks like at the rail yards. If you can go door to door in the surrounding neighborhood and not have anyone tell you, yeah, they need to do something with that complex. Mm. Like that's mm. the point when we've won. You've know you, yeah, uh, you know, you've done something. Cause at this point, and I've done this, I've gone door to door with the soccer stadium thing. And it's a very common sentiment. It's like, we're, we're sick and tired of having abandoned buildings as cool as they may be. Uh, and they need to not be abandoned anymore. But that's the, that's the Keller administration's massive, very expensive fixer-upper from hell type of challenge that they've uh, taken on. This is a little bit out of downtown, but still close to Sawmill Old Town. This is Heritage Hotels and Resorts. They're looking at building a couple new apartment buildings and a new hotel near the newer Sawmill Market. And you were the one who recently broke this news. I was indeed, yeah. And it's, uh, it's a very interesting project. There's not a lot of residential infrastructure close to Old Town. Uh, so to have a couple few hundred residents uh, very nearby uh, and, and more hotel capacity would, would certainly change that area. Uh, Jim Long and the Heritage uh, Organization have been probably the, the most prominent uh, developers, movers, shakers in the kind of greater sawmill old town area. He thinks, you know, old town is a great thing and I'm a part of it and it's going to help me 
you know, sell hotel rooms and, and, and things like that. It's an extra amenity. Uh, of course, he's already created the Sawmill Market, which is, uh, seems to be a runaway success. Uh, so yeah, I, it's, it's, I think, uh, of a piece of a, of a multi-year development, uh, that he and that organization have been doing in old town that will, that's definitely going to be part of, um, old towns. I don't know if resurgence is the, is the term, but definitely continued growth if nothing else. And it sounds like construction maybe should start next year. Yeah. They're, they're on a pretty short time horizon there. I think the next step is they have to go through one of Albuquerque's various and sundry commissions to get a few things approved before they actually break ground. But it seems like they're, they're pretty well ready to go. I, I would expect a lot of activity and maybe cranes and stuff like that in that neighborhood in the next couple of years. Speaking of housing, downtown has had its eyes on building more apartments. One of those projects is called the Downtowner at Silver and First Street. This is as many as 190 new apartments. Most of the new housing that's gone into downtown in the last 10, 15 years has been low, low income housing or uh, what they like to call workforce housing. You know, any, any new housing brings vitality to the neighborhood, but uh, the the urban planners will tell you that if you bring market rate housing to a neighborhood, you'll you'll bring more money to a neighborhood that can then create new restaurants and uh, and things like that. So this is uh, a unique and perhaps revolutionary because it's a big complex. Uh, it's got a lot of units, but they're going to be pretty small and they're going to be market rate. So the 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 hope is that they'll be sort of naturally affordable. Uh, is the the term of art they they like to use there. So what's what's critical about this is not just that this is kind of something new under the downtown sun. Uh, it's that the the commercial real estate business uh, in in the multifamily world tends to run on comps. Uh, this is something I've I, I never knew this before, but apparently uh, investors live and die by uh, comps, which are just basically business cases uh, that that such and such project can succeed. And if the downtowner and maybe one or two other projects like it can demonstrate to people who, you know, maybe in another state, maybe in the far flung areas of Albuquerque, but they've got money and they want to make more of it, that downtown is a, is a great place to do that. Uh, then this is the sort of thing that could touch off uh, a building boom. Uh, and I have heard this straight from no less than uh, the, the Titan uh, group. They're like, if, if this project works, we're there. Uh, it was it was pretty direct. So this this is the sort of thing we, when we talk about you know being on the cusp of you know downtown has lots of potential stuff like that. This is the sort of thing like if if we can get over this hump, and Colorado Springs has done it, Denver's done it in a similar way. So it's it's you know it's an established case. If we can do that, then you know then it gets easier and and more people and virtuous cycles and all that. So a city of Albuquerque press release says 191 apartments, 400 to 500 square feet, nine live work units, a cafe retail space, as well as event capacity with this downtowner complex. So getting around downtown, that's another focus the city's talked about. They've touted this new rail trail project. Can you tell us what is this rail trail that seemingly the city has a lot of millions to begin? Yeah, they've got $5 million in the kind of in the bank there for this trail. And the, the kind of short-term idea would be to run it uh, more or less along the railroad tracks uh, from the rail yards to Lomas. There is another kind of uh, 
less fully formed idea of running it from Lomas up the rail spur into Wells Park all the way to Sawmill and Old Town. Uh, and then there's another even less fully formed idea, but they are studying it, uh, to then connect that over to the Bosky Trail and then loop it back from around the Hispanic Cultural Center and make it a seven or eight mile loop. Uh, and, you know, trails are popular, trail loops are even more popular. So uh, if if they could do this, um, you know, certainly other cities have had success building these things. They tend to be wildly popular. They tend to encourage all sorts of other knock-on investment. Um, so if they could do this, this could be a big economic engine, uh, potentially, and, and recreational opportunity for greater downtown. The question is, can, can they come up with the money at this point? Um, and, you know, they, they got skunked up in the state legislature this year. Uh, they are applying for some federal grants. Uh, and they've got this $5 million in the bank, which you'd think would, would do it, but no, it's, it's probably the, it's going to be about 15 million between the rail yards and Lomas. And that's partly because it's more like a, a long park rather than just a trail. It's, it's, it's going to have all sorts of trail side amenities and, and things like that. The city is sort of starting on this project by making this new rail crossing um, at Marquette Avenue underneath what is the sort of MLK Marquette Avenue bridge that crosses right by the convention center. So the city is working on that right now. That will be just an at-grade rail crossing. That intersection is almost done, by the way. I definitely wouldn't cross it. That would be <laughs> illegal, I'm sure. But I, I've heard, I have friends who have crossed yeah. it. Asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so we can't talk about, you know, development without uh, addressing the failure of the soccer stadium in November. In a landslide, voters decided against a $50 million bond to build a multi-use soccer stadium for New Mexico United. Here are the updated numbers. As you can see, 64% of voters saying no to What's a next state. in your opinion for a stadium? Any chance that you see one actually going in downtown? No. <laughs> mm. um, a resounding no. Yeah. yeah. So the argument against a soccer stadium in an urban core uh, is pretty simple. It, it, it's, it creates a lot of noise and hubbub and it's hard to park. Uh, the argument in favor of a stadium in an urban core is, is that it's creates a lot of hubbub and it's hard to park, which forces people to get there in kind of slower ways that often involve going to restaurants before the game and bars after and, and things like that. Uh, the argument is basically if you slow people down, it creates more economic activity. Um, so the, the disadvantage, uh, in terms of the finances of constructing such a thing in a downtown core, uh, is not just the politics, uh, and that's hard enough, but it's, it's just harder to, to build anything at all in the downtown core, particularly what they were proposing to do on a, you know, on properties that they would have to eminent domain away from their current owners and, uh, you know, maybe get tied up in lawsuits and things like that. So now that they've, uh, failed to do the hard thing, I suspect they will do the easy thing and build it in the middle of a field somewhere, uh, where everyone will drive and there will be ample parking, uh, and it will cost about, you know, 30% of what it was supposed to cost in the downtown core. So I think that, I think that ship has sailed, whether, whether you're jumping for joy that that ship has sailed or, uh, or very sad about it. I, it's yeah. kind of is what it is. We'll go find another plan. But the club says it's still too soon to know which avenues they want to take. 
We built this team for the community. It's been amazing. We're going to figure it out together. You know, that's what Somos Unidos is all about. It's like a lot of our major event centers. You have to drive far. Like you think of Sleta, even the big event center in Rancho. Yeah, that's a big Southwest thing out. for sure. It's not to say we couldn't do it. I talked to some people in Miami and they have a couple of stadiums that are in the urban core and have very little parking. And they're like, well, well, you, you New Mexicans think you're car oriented. You should see yeah. Floridians. The, the politics of, of getting it done are, are tough, but it, it would be totally possible to pull it off. It's just harder and more expensive. You cannot mention downtown without mentioning the Garcia family. They own many pieces of downtown real estate now. I have a list here of eight buildings. Sounds about right. First Plaza Galleria, the old Bernalillo County Courthouse, the old Bernalillo County Assessor Building, Copper Square Building, Glorietta Station, Rosenwald, and then the former Skip Mizell Indian Jewelry Craft Store Building. So um, the Garcia family has a major stake in downtown. How impactful do you think they could be to this area, depending on what they do? This is a major wild card. With that portfolio of properties, they could be incredibly impactful. This is a family that is not to be underestimated because if nothing else, they brought NBC Universal to one of their properties in Martinez Town. Right. So if they can pull that trick a couple more times, uh, that, that, is, that is potentially revolutionary. Uh, we don't really have a master plan from the family though. They're not, they're not super uh, outgoing about their, about their grand plans and I'm sure uh, the situation with COVID has not, not helped them much uh, anyway, but they're doing some work on the Rosenwald building already. We've heard that Skip My Cells is next and they've said as much, but they've blown a deadline or two on that one or self-imposed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they own a lot of property up on the north end of the rail trail by Lomas and the tracks. Um, and uh, that could potentially be a big one, uh, particularly because that, that Marquette crossing we were talking about earlier. Right. That's been a really big pedestrian barrier. Once that's done, then you you potentially have a lot more foot traffic that can go to that area where their properties are. Uh, so, yeah, they're they're definitely one to watch. And uh, anytime they want to spill their master plan, I'm sure either Chris or I would, yeah. Gabby would. Yeah, we're all here. Love to <laughs> yeah, I, I know <laughs> I've reached out to the Garcia family a few times over the years for stories, and it, it's been pretty. Um, pretty mum, you know, in terms of what we hear back from Which them. is unusual for developers, by the way. Right, Usually right, they are amazing self-promoters and they're delighted to talk to you about all the awesome projects they're doing. Yeah. So that's what makes it so intriguing, I think, yeah. is, is kind of, you know that they have so much property, you know that their plans, they have executed on some of those plans. Some yep. of their buildings are, are up to snuff now and after uh, big revamps. So, but there's obviously a lot of questions about uh, some of the developments that they have in the future and what's going to happen with them. Yeah, certainly heavy hitters in the background of downtown development. Other ideas are out there for downtown. Recently, Peter turned to his readers to ask, what would you do downtown with $10 billion with a B? We'll be back to talk about that in just a moment. So Peter, you posed this question to people recently, what would you do with $10 billion and essentially the power to use it all on a transformative project downtown? And I wanted to start with why, why did you pose this question? (laughs) I I thought it would be funny for one thing. (laughs) 
for another, I think it's I think it's fun to do uh, that sort of that sort of carte blanche uh, visioning thing from yeah. time to time uh, because it 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 has a way of getting to what people really want. Right. Yeah, it's something we I think we all do as kids, right? Like imagine what we could do if if just the opportunity or chances were endless. But then now you're kind of asking well-educated readers who have familiarity with downtown. So did you have a favorite answer? How many answers did you get? And, you know, what kind of answers did you get? We got a ton of answers. Yeah, some of them were... Uh, uh, I mean, they were all great. Uh, some of them were particularly outrageous and, and fun. A lot of them were actually shockingly fiscally responsible, hmm. uh, which was weird. Like we had one that's just like, you know, we need parking enforcement in the evenings. And I thought, well, you know, with $10 billion, you could, you could hire a parking enforcement officer for every block 24 yeah. seven. Uh, but no, they, they would settle for the evenings. So even with fake money, there is fiscal responsibility out there. Wow. I think my favorite ones in terms of, you know, outrage level and potential awesomeness uh, was the, uh, the burying stuff idea. And this was a few different readers. One wanted to bury all power lines in downtown, which mm. uh, are the sort of things we don't really think about. But when, you, when they're gone, you notice that it's much better. It's, it's their real eyesores and they're all over the place. Uh, but then another reader went further and suggested burying the railroad tracks uh, and then burying uh, I-25 and I-40. Wow. Uh, Interesting. And I looked into it. It's actually not as crazy as it sounds. It does uh, sound crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's when you think about it, I-25 and I-40 are these giant noise, ugly things that, that just kind of rip right through the area. And if we could bury them, we could sell all of that land and tax it. Uh, and we wouldn't have the noise anymore. Uh, so it wouldn't be, uh, it, I mean, it would be a win. It would be an expensive win. It would be about $500 million a mile, according to one study I saw. Um, Interesting. but yeah, why not? And I was going to say, I mean, it, it is not a foreign concept for some major cities out there. Seattle did their big dig and put, uh, the Alaskan way viaduct, this big, giant, ugly, massive deck along the waterfront. They put that underground. Uh, Boston as well put some of its interstate, I believe it was, yeah. through its dense part of town uh, underground as well. So it is not entirely um, impossible, so what to speak. What I appreciated about your write-up in response to this was that each each answer had kind of like a little feasibility study. Did you get an idea of which one may be most feasible out of this one? I mean, they're all individually f quite feasible. Mm particularly the, the fiscally responsible ones like it with $10 billion, like, you know, you could solve old town's parking problem tomorrow. You could probably with $10 billion get a desal plant in Texas and run a water pipeline all the way to Albuquerque and solve our water problem. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say they're all, they're all feasible. Uh, the question is, are they wise? <laughs> but that's, that's something I don't get into. Thankfully. Yeah. That, that's, that's the hard part <laughs> with those. <laughs> Did you see any clear pattern of needs we should address? Yeah, it was kind of all over the map. I mean, there's a lot of infrastructure, I think, because people, particularly in downtown areas, are really into infrastructure. Uh, but then, you know, some people said, like, we should make sure every kid has a, a good childhood with good medical care and uh, access to you know, mentorship and great schools and stuff like that. Uh, someone suggested we just solve homelessness with it. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was a it was a pretty good mix. By the way, you can probably solve homelessness with 
with $10 billion. I saw your, what was the suggestion to buy each person who's on the streets a home? You could do that several times over with $10 billion. Uh, It'd probably be cheaper just to build a bunch of apartments. Sometimes these types of questions, they may feel a little whimsical. Uh, They can also be pretty telling, of course, where people's heads are at in the community. Did you feel that this was at all illuminating in any way? Yeah, I mean, it, it is, we tend to divide our problems in downtown greater downtown and the world into a lot of small pieces. And our politicians tend to solve problems in very incremental ways. And we as journalists tend to love that because it's more stories, right? It's so some initiative comes out and it's not going to solve the problem, but it's, you know, at best it's a little step and that's fine. Incremental problem solving is good. But what it can often do is get us into a situation where we think problems are actually being solved when they're not. You could be forgiven for consuming Albuquerque media, including my publication, for thinking that homelessness was being solved. And it's kind of in the works. Things are happening. But when we kind of step back and do the big picture thinking, even if it's just really fun mucking around with $10 billion in fake money, it kind of puts that in in a different perspective And it also gets us into the uh, mindset of actually solving things once and for all, rather than, you know, some, some attempt that will either satiate our constituents if we're a politician or get us a story if we're a journalist and get us through the day or give us the perhaps false impression that, that it's all working. Thank you, Peter. Did you have anything else that we're missing that you want to talk about when it comes to addressing downtown? We could talk all day, <laughs> but no, I think I think that's a pretty good basket of stuff. Yeah well, yeah, well, we appreciate you joining us here. And of course, we, we put out new episodes of the New Mexico News Podcast every Tuesday. Uh, we'll have another episode for you next week. If you want to check out our old episodes or anything more related to each episode we do, you go to krqe.com slash podcasts. And then also, uh, if you want to reach out to me, I'm chris.mckee at krqe.com. Also, Chris McKee TV on Twitter. Uh, Peter, what's a good way as well people can reach you? Uh, downtownalbuquerquenews.com. There you go. Find all of Peter's writings and happenings in the downtown area. In the meantime, you can also reach out to me. I'm gabrielle.burkhardt at krqe.com via email and gburknm on social media. Thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm.